Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Some good news coming out of Minnesota. The legislature passed a Minnesota COVID relief, we'll call it a relief bill. Good news for some small business owners, especially the restaurants, the bars, and the gyms. Now, why do they have to do that? Because as we know, Governor Tim Walz has been basically trying to shut them down. That's where you've got the East Grand Forks, Boardwalk Bar and Grill saying, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. I've got to reopen. I don't care what this executive order says. I've got to reopen just to be able to pay the people that work here and for me as a business owner to survive. And I want to start with this tonight because tomorrow Governor Walls has got a press conference. He actually may extend he may extend these what I'm calling shutdowns or closures regarding restaurants, gyms, theaters, things of that nature. And you've got to start to ask yourself, after we've talked about this before in Minnesota, the mask mandate, the shutdowns, all the things that they've done, right? And then now you, what have you been hearing about for the past week or so? Vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. Okay, so you've got vaccines coming. But the big question I'm going to bring up tonight is why are we not talking more about therapeutics? I'm sure you've seen the mortality rate across the country. I've heard it's gone down as much as 85%. Maybe that's not the exact number, but bottom line is we know the mortality rate via COVID is going down dramatically in a large part because of the incredible things that are happening with therapeutics. So why are we not hearing more about those? Why are you able to go to the doc and go, hey, doc, I want to use some therapeutics to help at least abate what's happening via COVID right now. And maybe it's much more accessible than I'm aware of. Like I've said many times on the show, I've not gotten COVID, so I've not made those requests. But I want to know why it's not in my more prominent conversation in the public. I'm going to play a couple of clips for you tonight. Many of you may have seen this. If you haven't, it was an incredible testimony from a doctor last week in front of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. And I want to play it in two different clips. One of them, he sort of lays down the question I'm asking you tonight. And I want you to ask yourself, why are we not hearing more about therapeutics to fight COVID? Then after that, I'm going to share with you a recent study that came out about a drug he suggests that completely can... I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but it's very powerful, let's just say, what the study shows with the impact using this drug as a prophylactic to sort of fight against even the possibility of getting COVID and also helping it so you can't make pass it or be contagious. So here's this doctor from last week talking, again, why are we not hearing more about therapeutics? I am here again today with a new recommendation. In the last nine months, in our review of all of the literature as a group, <clears throat> again, we are some of the most highly published physicians in our specialty and the world. We have done nothing but try to figure out how to identify a repurposed and available drug to treat this illness. We have now come to the conclusion after nine months, and I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC, I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs, things like tocilizumab and rendesivir and monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. Did you hear the end part there? Why are we not talking more about therapeutics or repurposing science and data that we know that could potentially have an impact? You heard them right there, big pharma, novel pharma, right? Vaccines. Why is that the focus? I'm not going to give you my answer. I want you to think about that and share with me your point of view. I know you know the answer, so please text the show, email us, call us.
and let us know. Now, I want to share with you what he talks about a potential drug that it can be used as a prophylactic against COVID. What that means is you can take it before you even get COVID to protect yourself. And the other powerful thing I'm going to share with you, the study says, is it may actually also, if you're asymptomatic, make it so you don't pass COVID on to other people. So listen to this data, listen to what he says about this particular drug, and then I'll share the study with you on the other side. And our manuscript, which was posted on Medicine Preprint Server, details all of this evidence. I want to briefly summarize it. Number one, we have evidence that ivermectin is effective not only in prophylaxis, in the prevention. If you take it, you will not get sick. We just came across a trial last night from Argentina by the lead investigator of ivermectin in Argentina, Dr. Hector Carvalho. They prophylaxed 800 healthcare workers. Not one got sick. In the 400 that they didn't prophylax with ivermectin, 58% got sick. 237 of those 400 got sick. If you take it, you will not get sick. It has immense and potent antiviral activity. We know that from the first study in Monash, it has made the bench to the bedside. Now, I'm not a doctor, so consult your physician before you ask him about ivermectin or any of these other drugs or possibilities. But you heard a doctor right there say, if you take it, you will not get sick, and he also suggested you can take this thing as a prophylactic to fight against COVID. Now, you heard him mention a study there just a moment ago out of Argentina. I want to share with you, I'm going to take an excerpt out of this study. Let's bring this graphic up, Zach, and I'm going to read to you a bit of what this study says, and the data is astonishing, folks. Out of the 788 self-administered from the intervention piece of the study, the people that took ivermectin, and also it's called carrageenan, so ivermectin and carrageenan, out of all those people, not one person fell ill to COVID-19. Not one. They were using it as a prophylactic. The team also reported that, this is I'm quoting here, both molecules accumulate in the salivary glands, so they have the potential to prevent viral spread by asymptomatic patients by inadvertently, excuse me, inactivating the viral particles in the saliva. Yet 58%, you can come back to me now, Zach, 58% of the people that did not take ivermectin, this carrageenan or whatever it's called, they ended up getting COVID down in Argentina in this study that was in hospital. So this was based with healthcare workers, right? The people on the front lines we hear about that are getting the vaccine first, right? The healthcare workers, long-term care facility, long-term care people getting the vaccine first. Now, this is one study. There's another study. If you go and read this document that says, hey, in Egypt, a study out of Egypt also backed up a lot of the information from this particular study. But again, I ask you, why are we not hearing more about therapeutics I'll kind of give you a hint, only about novel big pharma and or vaccines. Hmm. Please share your point of view with us on that. All right. As I mentioned a moment ago, and again, think about this. We, we have locked down Minnesota to the point where you've got a bar and grill up in East Grand Forks, the Boardwalk Bar and Grill, which, by the way, they've got a hearing tomorrow. But they are reopening to defy an executive emergency order, which you know they don't want to do that. They don't want to deal with an attorney general. They don't want to deal with potential fines, but they feel like they're at their last leg. It's the only thing they can do. And here we have data to prove that there could be some things used as a prophylactic, but I haven't heard about wide use of that thing in Minnesota. Maybe you have. If you have, please let us know. So Minnesota said, hey, you know, we've got to do something. I think it was the mayor at East Grand Fork said it best. He's like, look, you don't go, you know, buy a lot and start building a lot and then figure out, hey, I've, I've qualified for financing. No, you qualify for financing, then you go build a new house on the lot 
why aren't they doing that in Minnesota? If you're going to shut down businesses, then obviously it makes sense that you should be saying, hey, look, if we're going to shut you down, then of course we're going to pass something that's going to help you get through these times since we're the government that are shutting you down. Minnesota has not done that until last night. It was $216 million. It's going to be used in a myriad of ways. Obviously, they're saying, hey, D.C., we would love some help as well. We're going to keep our eye on D.C. for you because, as we talked about last week with Senator Kevin Kramer, as of right now, the D.C. bill, there's no direct payments. There's no $600, $1,200 payments to you. And I don't know about you, but I know people out there that are asking the question as parents going, hmm, let's see here. I've got the government shutting down businesses, putting people off work. Should I get Christmas presents this year or pay rent? That's not a question you want to be asking yourself. And yet, we're going to be kind here. The people in D.C. can't figure out that, hey, maybe we should actually pass something that's going to have some direct payments for the people that are struggling due to what the government is forcing them, forcing them to do. So I bring all this up because earlier today I had a great conversation with Cass County Commissioner Chairman Chad Peterson. He, too, as a county commissioner, is saying, hey, D.C., Please be Santa Claus. We need some financial help over here. Send us some more money. You're going to see the conversation in a moment. But one of the things that came up with uh, Mr. Peterson is I said, hey, I get it. Cass County's run pretty well. You guys do a nice job. And yet, why should you ask the people of North Dakota or northern Minnesota to bail out Hennepin County by the cities, right? Or New York, for that matter, a, a county in New York when we all know how poorly run those counties are. I bring that up because it's a little bit closer to home than I thought. As we all know, the CARES Act put a lot of money out to different counties and localities. And I want to share with you in Becker County, I don't know if we've got this graphic or not, but Becker County got a bunch of money from the CARES Act. Let me just share with you a couple items, all right, where your federal tax dollars are being used in Becker County. This is to me is the most egregious one. Theater and museum lobby. Now, I don't know if all the federal money is going to cover this, but a $290,000 project will improve the lobby and create a walkway between the historic Holmes Theater and the new County Museum addition. You can come back to me, Zach. So, yeah, there's your federal dollars. When, again, how many of you are asking the question, should I buy Christmas presents or should I pay rent? And they're giving money to the theater to improve the lobby. Again, I don't know if it's the full two hundred ninety grand, but money's money. Another one. Environmental services qualified for about $60,000 of your federal tax money to help compensate for lost workflow at the recycling center during the COVID shutdown. Jail inmates were not able to sort recyclables for shipping. I'll repeat that for you. Jail inmates were not able to sort recyclables for shipping, forcing the county to ship unsorted recyclables in bulk to the Twin Cities for processing, which is more expensive. That's why they needed to use $60,000 of your federal tax money to make sure they were sorting the jail inmates' recyclables correctly and ship them to the right place. That's just a couple examples. So with all that being said, here's my conversation with Cass County Commissioner and Chairman Chad Peterson. Uh, Cass County Commission Chairman Chad Peterson joining us. Welcome back to Point of View. Commissioner, it's great to have you. I need to say Chairman. It's, I apologize for that. But I want to talk to you about just sort of the revenues around Cass County. You saw last night, I'm sure, on the Fargo City Commission meeting. Yep. They're trying to do some things to help out um, different businesses. We see potentially another bill coming out of D.C. Um, how dire are the revenue numbers when it comes to uh, Cass County revenues? I think as far as Cass County goes, we're pretty well insulated because our economy is so diversified. 
we're looking at increased sales tax. We're looking at no change in terms of submitting property taxes, folks paying their bills. Uh, but I think the bigger concern is the ongoing expenses and operations. And we think, you know, let's think statewide for a moment, too. We're sort of insulated. Like I said, we've got a pretty well diversified income where our friends out west are pretty commodity driven. So when you have a situation where oil goes to negative dollars and that sustains itself for a period of weeks and months, they're having a lot more impact than we are. But where we'd be looking for help in particular and increased revenues from our federal friends would be implementation of what we've been doing and reimbursement for what we've been doing. And by that, I mean our friends at Castle Lake Health, our, our friends in law enforcement, our first responders, the people that are doing the heavy lifting of a federally funded state administered locally implemented program it is not easy for us to do. We, we don't have a lot of fluff in our budgets. I know some people think we do, but we don't. There, there is very little fluff, especially in the county budget. I can't really speak for cities, parks. I think they're okay too, but I know specifically in the county's aspect, we don't have a lot of fluff. So when it comes to massive amounts of overtime, increased staffing loads, if we don't have that help, we can't shut our courthouse down. We can't shut our jail down. We can't not respond to the pandemic. So when it comes time to address these expenses, if we don't have reimbursement from our friends in the federal government, state government, your property taxes will necessarily have to go up. And this is not a small number. We don't have people working an extra one or two hours a week. We've we've spent hundreds of thousands. We'll probably be at the millions by the time we're done, comfortably into the millions by the time we're done. And that has to be funded. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay our staff. We have to maintain all the infrastructure that we have to support these, fr these friends we have working for us. So uh, if we don't have that support, it's going to fall locally and it's going to not going to be comfortable. So what do you say to the person? I want to get to two things. What do you say to the person watching at home? who says, wait a second. You know, I understand that, you know, you guys might need some extra money to pay overtime, but why in the world? Because we all can see how poorly run Minneapolis has been. We all can see how poorly run New York city has been. Why should I here in North Dakota be using my federal tax dollars to bail out poorly run counties all across this country? Well, I think so within the legislation, I think that's a fair question within the legislation. My understanding is that there is maybe let me back up. So roughly estimated right now, just counties alone are about two hundred and two billion dollars. I'm going from memory, two hundred and two billion dollars in extra expenses. So it's not a small number. And within those expenses or within the bill, my understanding is there is an accountability measure. So I, I agree with you. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more that if somebody wants to spend you know, $500,000 or $10 million on a new community center or subsidizing a, a mistaken policy, you're right. I, I don't support that either. But my understanding is within this bill, there are checks and balances for that. So you're not going in. I think that's what the Trump administration has been advocating against why the number has been so big on the Democrat side and so small or reasonable on the Republican side is that a lot of dollars that wanted to be pushed into governments that maybe just want to fund their mistakes. And that's not what I support. And my understanding is uh, that's not what what the new legislation, this new bill that's going to be uh, going through Congress. Is so what checks are you hearing about? Because, I mean, you and I both know you start throwing this kind of money around and they, they just, meaning they, the people in D.C., they just want to get it out, get it in people's hands. So what kind of checks and balances are you aware of? Well, a good example. Thank you so much to Chairman Peterson. There's a lot more to the interview, so please go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash POV. Now, I just got a text just real quickly here, Zach. Um, Jennifer Granholm, she is the former governor of Michigan. Jennifer Granholm, you may have seen her a pundit on like NBC, former governor of Michigan, is poised to be the next energy secretary. For those of you that watch on the Bakken, it's pretty big news. 
All right, stay with us when we come back. We're going to get to your points of view. A lot of incredible stuff came in last night from my interview with Minnesota AG Keith Ellison. Please share your point of view with us when we talked about here so far tonight. Why are we not talking more about therapeutics? Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back. <laughs> 